All right, Colossians chapter 2 and beginning with verse number 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And not after Christ, for in him, him, the pronoun referring back to the antecedent, the end of verse 8, for in him, that is in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness. Everyone say all the fullness. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. All right? So, 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 so be careful. Men don't spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world, not after Christ, because in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, let me just throw this out there for any good Trinitarians that are listening. Trinitarians believe in, in the incarnation. They just believe it different than we do. They believe that God was manifest in the flesh, but they believe it different than we do. They believe God the Son was manifest in the flesh. We don't even believe in God the Son. Because the Son, we'll talk about this in a moment. The Son represents the humanity. And God was in the Son. We'll talk about that, all right? But they believe God the Son, that just this one member of the Trinity was manifest in the flesh. But here's what I want to point out to you in verse 9. For in him dwelleth not the fullness of the Son, but everything that's in the Godhead. All the fullness of the Son, but all the fullness of the Father, and all the fullness of the Holy Ghost, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in the body of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you for a little while today. And again, don't, don't prejudge where I'm going. I'm going I'm to preach to you if the Lord will help me from this subject. All the fullness. All the fullness. Hallelujah. Would you put your Bibles down? And, and I want you to pray a specific prayer. I get you to do this every once in a while. But I want you to pray a specific prayer today. I want you to pray for a spirit of revelation. Now, normally when I ask you to do that, it's because I'm praying specifically for those that may be listening either in the service or online who don't have a revelation of truth. They need a revelation of the Godhead. They need a revelation of salvation. I'm asking you to pray for God to give you a revelation today because I'm going to share something with you 
that we as a church need to get a revelation of. That's bad grammar. Uh, I'm going to share with you something of which we, the church, need a revelation. How's that? That's better. I've got to be careful. My intellectual older brother is here, so he's liable to correct my grammar. So, all right. So, um, we need a revelation. We, as a church, as saints of God, need a revelation. Now, it's not going to hurt for us to pray for those who don't have a revelation of the Godhead to get that as well. Because in the next few minutes, I'm going to go over that very quickly. But, but beyond them getting a revelation of the Godhead, there's a revelation I want you to get today. All right? All right? So would you pray with me right now for a spirit of revelation to fill this house and to be upon this message and to go out wherever folks are listening and wherever they may hear this message later after it's been recorded. We just need a spirit of revelation to be upon us. And the second thing, I want you to ask God to confirm his word today. Would you do that? Oh, I felt that. I want God to confirm his word in this service today. Let's pray together right now. Jesus name can we worship the Lord together right now everybody let's worship the Lord hallelujah praise God praise God now I need your help today saints I'm feeling pretty good I feel I feel energetic but you know that runs out and and you know they're they're was a point last week when it just it's like somebody just pulled the plug and when that happens I'm done so you just pray that nobody pulls the plug today and I can keep going till I'm done now some of you're not going to do that because you're afraid I'll go till one o'clock just okay so then pray that I can get finished by noon and that nobody pulls the plug before that time how's that God bless you you may be seated Look, before I get into these scriptures, I just want to remind you that in spite of what the church world teaches, the Godhead is not a complicated subject, nor is it a mystery that cannot be comprehended by man. And I've dealt with that, dealt with it, dealt with it. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen, uh, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. His Godhead is understood, it's clearly seen. And then Paul went on to say they're without excuse. There is simply no excuse for not understanding the Godhead. And especially if you're an apostolic, if you don't understand the Godhead, there is no excuse for that. And especially if you've been sitting on the pew of the truth church any amount of time, there is absolutely no excuse for that. Well, that was weak. 
I mean, I've taught it. I've taught it. I've taught it. I got books out there. I've, I don't know what else to do. But anyhow, you sure ought to understand it. But I'm going to go through this very quickly. Uh, again, I'm not going to try to explain it all. It doesn't really require a lot of explanation. And, and I told you, I felt like several years ago, some seven years ago, God gave me a very simple outline to follow. It's what I've been sharing with these Trinitarian pastors in Africa. Been watching them literally by the hundreds so far. We know of right out a thousand Trinitarian pastors and wives that have been baptized in Jesus' name. And many, many more that received the revelation. But because of, of pressure or whatever, they've refused to, to follow through with it. But at least a thousand that have been baptized in Jesus' name. Just because of a very simple little procedure that I take them through, four passages of scripture, four principles that I share with them. When you get to principle number four, you understand the Godhead. It's so clear. It's so easy. It's so simple. All right. Can we go through this again real quick? Saints of God, are you going to help me for a few minutes? Now, if you sit there quiet, I'm going to start putting forth more effort trying to get you with me. So help me to pace myself until I get to where I'm trying to go. All right. If you'll put forth more effort right now, I won't have to put forth as much. Let me, let me pace myself. All right. So, so just very quickly, we'll go through these four principles. And if you don't know these, shame on you. You need to know them. All right. Principle number one is simply that there is only one God. And that's something that everybody, I don't care what you call yourself. If you call yourself a Christian, everybody ought to agree to that. Oneness, Trinitarian, I don't care who you are, everybody ought to agree that there's only one God. Don't be guilty of saying Trinitarians believe in three gods. I've never yet met a Trinitarian who said they believe in three gods. They all say they believe in one God. So let's start at that point. There is only one God. This is based on Deuteronomy 6 and 4. You ought to be able to quote this verse. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hero Israel. Hero Israel. The Lord our God the Lord is our one Lord. God is one Lord. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, this is the most important passage in all the word of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, Jesus said it's the most important, and you can't quote it. Shame on you. Amen. Don't quit on me now. The most important is that there's only one God. All right, so we start there. Principle number two. It's based on John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Listen to what Jesus says. John 4, verses 23 and 24. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Uh -huh. For the Father seeketh such to worship All right, him. Now, now watch this, watch this. In verse 23, Jesus is talking about the Father. You agree? That's who he's talking about is the Father. All right, now, what does he say in verse 24? God is a spirit. All right, spirit. stop right there. So in verse 24, he says God. Now, he didn't change subjects. Verse 23, he's talking about God, uh, the Father. So in verse 24, when he uses the term God, same subject. So here in verse 24, he's still talking about the Father. So here's what Jesus said. The Father is a Spirit. The Father is not the first person of the Trinity. The Father is not a person of the Trinity. The Father is not a person. The Father is a 
spirit and that's important and usually when I teach the lesson we talk about why that's important because as a spirit he's everywhere as a spirit he's invisible as a spirit uh, he is all powerful there's a lot of things that he does as a spirit that a person cannot accomplish so the second principle is this that the one God the father is a spirit so listen to me Anytime, especially in the New Testament, that you read about the Father, your mind ought to immediately think spirit. It's that simple. Make that a synonym. When you read about Father, think spirit. Simple. Very, very simple. All right? Because the Father's not a person. He's not an old man with a flowing robe and a long white beard sitting on a throne. He is a spirit that fills the universe. Okay? So, so that one God, whom Jesus identified as the Father, is a spirit. Principle number three, Luke 1 and 35. Luke 1, 35, read. I was about to read it myself. I'm used to truth conference. I had to read for myself. You got, no, I'm just, go read, read. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, yep. and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Yep. Therefore also that holy thing. Now look thing, at this. That holy thing. Which shall be, which born, shall of be thee, born of. He's talking to Mary. So that which is born of Mary. Shall be born of thee. Shall be called. Is what's called. The Son of the God. The Son of God. Now Mary did not give birth to a spirit. And God is a spirit. So Mary did not give birth to God. Mary is not the mother of God. She's the mother of the Son of God. And John chapter 3 tells us that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Mary's not a spirit. Mary was flesh. So what did Mary give birth to? flesh so the bible says that which was born of mary was the son of god therefore the son of god was the flesh all right this is really simple so just like when we read father we should think spirit when we read son we should think flesh all right it's this simple and then we put it all together with principle number four, one of my favorite verses in all the word of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, and especially if you remember what I just told you, when you read Father, you think Spirit. When you read Son, you think All right, so now, again, there's synonyms here. So God is the Father, that is Spirit. Everybody's with me? So Christ is the Son that is flesh, all right? So now, let's read 2 Corinthians 5, 19, making some substitutions. Go ahead and read for me. To wit. To wit, or knowing that. That God was in that Christ. God, that's the Father, that's the Spirit, was in Christ. That's the Son, that's the 
flesh. So here's what he just said. Knowing that the spirit was in the flesh, reconciling the world, not to themselves, but to himself. Here is the Godhead very simply explained. The spirit was in the flesh. That's not two persons. That was one person called Jesus Christ. On the outside, he was the son of God. But on the inside, he was the father. On the outside, he was flesh. But on the inside, he was spirit. He had a dual nature. He was both God and man. Oh, come on, church. We can do better than this. So, because of his dual nature, at any given moment, he could act as God or he could act as man. He could speak as God or he could speak as man. Right? So when he said, I thirst, he's speaking as a man. That's the son. But when he stood on that last great day of the feast and said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He's not speaking as the son. He's speaking as the father. That's God speaking. So the son says, I'm thirsty. The father says, I'll give you drink. But both of those are coming out of the same mouth. When he got on the boat and rode across the sea, he's acting as a man. But when his disciples needed him and he didn't have a boat, he walked on the waves of the water, which Job said only God could do. So in one case, he acts as a man. In another case, he acts as God. That's not two separate persons in the Godhead. That's two natures. One is his human nature. The other is his divine nature. And I'm telling you, any passage of scripture that you read, I don't care if it's Jesus praying in the garden, that's not one person praying to another person. That's his flesh crying out to help from the spirit. It's, it's that easy, church. Now, but there's a reason why I'm going through all of this, all right? Be because there are many factors that are based on this understanding of the Godhead. That as we read all of the fullness of the Godhead. Not just one person in the Godhead, but everything that God encompasses was in that body of Jesus Christ. Now, 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 now follow with me here. Follow with me here. I want you to consider with me we're talking about the man, Christ Jesus, all right? Is everybody, is everybody understanding? And when I talk about the son, we're talking about his humanity. That's why, that's why I said we don't believe in God the son. Because that would make that flesh God. And the flesh wasn't God. The flesh was the coat that God wore. Okay? So, so, so listen to me. I want you to consider with me, when we talk about Christ, we're talking about the man, we're talking about the humanity, consider with me the source of Christ's words, his works, his knowledge, his wisdom, his power. All right? Consider this for a moment. John chapter 14, verse 10. Listen to what he says. 
Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not now, of myself. Now, 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 listen to this. Listen to this. The Son says, I want you to know that the words that are coming out of my mouth are not my own words. They are not the words that are generated from the flesh. Now, saints, help me now. Stay with me for a minute. The words that you're listening to are not fleshly words. They don't belong to me. The words that you hear right now, the syllables rolling off of my tongue are being generated from somewhere much deeper. I know that when you talk to anybody else, those words come from their flesh. But you're not talking to just anybody else. And what you're hearing right now are not the words of a man. What you're hearing right now are words that generated from that spirit that is dwelling on the inside. It's not the words of the son that you're listening to, but it's the words of the father. That's what's being spoken to you right now. I'm just the vessel through which the Father speaking. Oh, I'm going somewhere today. Hang with me. Hang with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 uh, uh, and and then he says. Then he says. Finish that verse. He says. But the Father that dwelleth the in the Father me. that dwells in me. Now again, not two persons. If this is two persons, we got a real problem because we got one person living inside of the other person. That just doesn't even make sense. But if the Father means the Spirit, then this makes perfect sense. So he said, but the Father or the Spirit that's dwelling in me, what? He doeth the works. Oh, listen to this now, saints, and this is crucial to where I'm going. He said, when you see me, touch the blinded eye. And that eye begins to see. It's not because of the power of this flesh. It's because dwelling inside of this flesh is that omnipotent spirit that has always been. The one who said let there be and there was is dwelling inside of this coat. These are not my works. These Oh, God, I feel this. These are not my efforts. I'm not doing this as a man. But what's happening is the spirit that's dwelling in this body. He's the one opening blinded eyes. He's the one unstopping deaf ears. He's the one that's healing the leper. He's the one that's raising the dead. His words, his works were not those of the Son, but the Father dwelling in him. His knowledge, his knowledge, listen to this, Mark 13, 32, and I, I talked about this, I think, at Truth Conference. I had a man use this verse to try to prove to me there's a trinity by using this verse of all things, and that was a mistake. In fact, any verse you want to use to try to prove the Trinity is a mistake. Right. Right. Amen. Well, that's just a fact. 
I welcome your verses. I look forward to the opportunity of dealing with the verses you want to give me. That's, that's why Brother Hilton's been there, Brother Josh has been there. That, that, that's why. One of these days you're going to have to go, Brother Goff. We just got to do it. Um, but, but that's why I love these question and answer sessions when I get through teaching over there. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what questions they got. Because they think they got me in a corner. You know, sometimes the corner is the best position to fight from. All right, listen to this. Mark 13, 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels, which are in heaven, uh-huh. neither the Father, yep. but the, but neither the Son, neither the Son, but, but the, the Father. Father. Now, now he said, he, he looked at me with this snide grin on his face. See, there's no way that they're the same because the Father knows something the Son doesn't know. And I smiled and I said, sir, that's a bigger problem for you than it is for me. He said, how's that? I said, because you believe in the Trinity, and the Trinity says they're co-equal. And if they're co-equal, how is it that one knows something the other doesn't know? That doesn't sound like equality to me. Now, for me, this is no problem because son equals flesh. Father equals spirit. So here's what he said. He said, of that day and that hour, my flesh doesn't know. But what's dwelling in me... The spirit that's on the inside of me, he knows all things. I'm not lacking in any knowledge. It's just that I don't know it according to my flesh. This is not something I learned in Sabbath school. This is not something the rabbis taught me. But I'll tell you where I got it. I got it from the spirit that's living inside of this body. So, so his, his knowledge was based on the spirit dwelling inside the body. Now, um, let, let's, 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 Mark 6, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to show you something here. Mark 6, verses 1 through 3. And he went out from thence and Jesus. came into his own country, uh-huh. and his disciples followed him, follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, mm-hmm. and many hearing him were astonished, And they were saying, astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? is he getting all of this? And what wisdom is this and, which is given unto him? Wh- where does this wisdom come from? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Uh-huh. Is not this isn't the carpenter, this, the son of Mary? Isn't, isn't, this, isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? The brother of James yeah, and, and, and Joseph here and, and Judah and, now, now, and Simon? Now, 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 now look, look, here's what they're saying. And i got to hurry. i got to hurry. But, but listen, here's what they're saying. We know his genealogy. We know his family. We, you know, he was raised right here in Nazareth. We, we've, we've known him and his family forever. And, and there's something about this that's just not adding up. He's got wisdom that none of the rest of his family's got. And we can't figure out where this is coming from. Well, the reason they couldn't figure out where it's coming from is because they were trying to reckon this wisdom to his earthly family. And what they didn't understand was that he had another side. It wasn't coming from the earthly side of his genealogy. 
He didn't just have an earthly mother. He had a heavenly father. And the wisdom that he was portraying was not coming from his flesh. If that's where it came from, then his brother James and Joseph and Judah and Simon and his sisters, they would have had the same wisdom. But it didn't come from the flesh. It came from the spirit that was dwelling inside of him, which those brothers and sisters did not possess. But in the body of Christ was all the fullness, all of God's words, all of God's works, all of God's power, all of God's wisdom, everything that God possessed was in the body of Christ. Yeah, 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 yeah. even, 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 even the power that he displayed. Let's, 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 let's go one more and then I'm, then I'm going to try to get to where I'm going here today. Luke chapter 11, verse 20. Listen to this. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come unpo- upon you. Yeah, and listen, listen. Here's what he said. He made it clear. Yeah, I'm casting out devils. But you know how I'm doing it? By the finger of God. Now, this is for uh, the scholar among us. This is an anthropomorphic trait. Um, this is assigning this is assigning human characteristics to a being that is not human. The Spirit of God doesn't literally have fingers. He's everywhere. Right? So, so he wasn't literally saying, I reach up and grab God's hand and point his finger at the devil and but but what he's saying is this when these devils leave it's not because of the flesh you're looking at but when these devils leave it's because they understand that there's something deeper than this flesh they recognize see they're spirits and spirits see in a realm flesh doesn't see spirits see spirits spirits recognize spirits and when brother Chad those spirits looked at the man Christ Jesus they said wait a minute I recognize that spirit I recognize, I've been before his throne before. And that's why when he stepped on the shores of Gadara, they're saying, please, 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 don't torment us before our time. They knew that spirit that was in him. He wasn't casting out devils by the fleshly body that was there. He was casting out devils by the fullness of God that was dwelling inside of that body. I feel this today. So, let's go back to our text. Let's go back. I think Brother Chad's feeling what I'm feeling. He's, he's a step ahead. He's, he's a step ahead of me here. All right. So, Colossians 2 and 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just throw this in 
free of charge. But here's another problem with the Trinity. Trinity says that Jesus is the second person in the Godhead. The Bible does not say that Jesus is the second person in the Godhead. In fact, the Bible does not say that Jesus is in the Godhead. The Bible says the Godhead is in Jesus. And there's a big difference. Now, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. All, everyone say all the fullness. So all of God's words, all of God's works, all of God's knowledge, all of God's wisdom, all of God's power dwell within the body of Jesus Christ. Now, remember, the flesh possessed no power in and of itself. But the spirit dwelling in him possessed unlimited power. Which is why he said in Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Yeah, now, now look, if there are two others in the Godhead, he just left them powerless. Because he didn't say, I'm sharing all power with two others. He said, I've got it all. So there's not two others in the Godhead. He's all there is. And he said, all power is mine. Not the flesh, but the spirit that dwelt in that body has all power. Are you still with me? Because God was in Christ, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ was the dwelling place of God at that time. Having that non-stationary dwelling place when he was born in Bethlehem, when he began his ministry on the hills of Judea, allowed him to go where the people were and meet whatever needs they had. Healing, deliverance, peace, provisions, Forgiveness, anything they needed could be provided when they were in the presence of that body in which God's fullness dwelt. Yes. Think about it. When he's thronged by a crowd, there's one little lady that can't hardly even stand up she's had a problem for 12 years she's been marked unclean she spent all that she has but she says I don't care I know nobody's gonna make a path for me I'll just make a path for myself she said if I can but touch the hem of his garment if I can just get close to that body because I understand there's something on the inside of that body that's not not on the inside of any other body on earth. If I can get close to where that body is, I can have my needs met. Oh, hallelujah. The paralytic's friend, friends carried him to that house in Capernaum. Man, they can't get close to the door. They can't get close to the window. And they could have sent a note and said, would you please just pray? You know, I mean, I mean, he'd, he'd performed miracles like that before. But there was something in the mind of these four men that said, I know 
how it's going to get done. If we can just get our friend into the presence of where the fullness of God dwells. If we can get our friend, whatever it takes, Brother Goff, if we got to pull tiles off the roof, if we've got to strap ropes to his bed, whatever we've got to do, let's just get him into the presence of this place where, where the fullness of God dwells. And if we can get him there, He's not leaving the same way he came. And boy, were they ever right. Not only was he healed that day, he walked out of there with his sins forgiven. I'm telling you, Jesus took care of everything. Once the man got into the presence of the body of Jesus Christ. Do you know that before his ministry was over, the people were getting so desperate to get close to his body that he often had to find ways to remove himself. Read for me Mark chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude. Because of the multitude. Lest they should, lest throng, they should him. throng him. For he had healed many insomuch that they pressed upon many. him yes. for to touch him. Because they had wanted to touch him. Oh, I feel like preaching for a little while. There was something in their mind. They said, yeah, we're here in the crowd. Yeah, he can just speak a word. We understand that. But there's just something about getting close to him. There's just something about getting right there, Brother Jared. There's something about getting up close to where he is. And if I can get up to where his body is, because in that body is the fullness of the Godhead. If I can get there, I know. I'm going to be made whole. I know this plague is going to be gone. I know this sickness is not going to bother me anymore. If I can just get up close to where that body is because the fullness of God is in that body. Well, hallelujah. What a desire. And it was a good desire. Now, I want to again remind you of our text. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, read it again. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now notice this. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. But it dwells there in a certain form. It dwells there bodily. You see that? In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everyone say bodily. All right. With that in mind, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Now, look, as we go through this, I, I want to remind you of something I've said many times. This is an epistle. Epistle is an old English King James word, or I should have said King James English word, for letter. That's what epistle means. So this is a letter. Do you know anybody that writes letters 
in chapters and verses. I knew one guy that did for a little while, but his pastor talked to him and said, uh, let's, let's be real. And that stopped. But, um, no, look, these were letters. And so, as I've said to you so many times, don't get hung up. I'm thankful for the chapters and verses. Helps me find what I want to find. I'm glad they're there. Hello? But the problem is sometimes they create this division in our mind between what's being said in one verse and what's being said in the next. So for just a few moments, I want you to just kind of take out the verse numbers as we go through this. And listen to what Paul is telling the church at Ephesus. And I'm going to try to point it out to you along the way as Brother Goff reads. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. Start with verse number 18. And, and let's, let's read. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to try to interject a few things along the way. And Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And, and listen to the things that he's saying now to the church at Ephesus. Uh, Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 18. Read. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. All right, now, he wants your eyes enlightened. Obviously, there's some things that the church is not really understanding here. Read. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. So you can know the hope of his calling. And what the riches and of the glory. So you can really comprehend the riches of the glory of, the glory. of his inheritance in the saints. Uh, he, he, he says, church, if you could really see the inheritance he's given you, if you could comprehend the bank account he has signed over into your name. It's yours. It's your inheritance. It belongs to you. You need your eyes opened. You need to quit living like paupers. You need to quit spending your time in pity parties. Feeling sorry for yourselves. Get a revelation of the inheritance he's given you. Read. And what is the exceeding greatness, the exceeding of, his greatness of his power to us were who believe who believe according to the working according of his mighty power to the working of now, now listen he's he's going through this and I I, I don't have time to really expand uh, and expound on every verse the way I'd like to but he says look this glorious inheritance that he's given us it's based on his exceeding on the exceeding greatness of his power how powerful is this God of ours and everything that he's made available to you rests on the fact that his power is exceedingly great 
so great that if there's something you need and it doesn't exist, he can literally create it. He's done it before. He can speak things into existence. He can make ways where there is no way. That's the kind of God we serve. And that's what he put in our inheritance. Read. Which he brought in Christ when he raised him from the dead mm -hmm. and set him at his own right hand now, in now, heavenly places. Again, we understand what the right hand of God means. That's not a physical location. God's everywhere. Something that's everywhere doesn't have a right side and a left side. Right hand is a symbol of power. So once again, he's going back to this fact that Christ, in whom the fullness of God dwells, is at the right hand, the place of power, in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm. Now hang on. Read. Far above all principalities. This is where Christ sits. He's above. We read this verse Thursday night. He's above every principality. And power. He's above every power. And might. He's above all might. And dominion. He's above all dominion. And every name that is named. He's above every that name that's named. Not only in, not this, only world, in this world. But also in but that in which is to come. Listen, this is, this is the one that's doling out our inheritance. All right, read. And hath put all things and, under his feet. And put all things under whose feet? Under Christ's feet, right? That's who we're talking about. So all this stuff, principalities, powers, dominions, all that is under his feet. I've lost some of you already. Come on now. It's all under his feet. Okay. And he gave to him now, to now, be now, the now, head. Now, 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 now look, it's all under his feet. And he is the head over all, over all things to the church. To the church. Now, 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 now look. This is, this is what I'm telling you. He's the head over every one of these principalities, every one of these powers, everything that we've been talking about. I'm telling you, every one of them are subject unto Christ. And he's the one in charge of this spacious bank vault that he's put our name on. He's the one that's handing out our inheritance. He's the one that's got the power to create it if we need it. And he's done it all. He's been made the head now that's a specific term and in this particular instance he's not just talking about the position of authority but he's using an analogy. I'm going to prove that to you. He's using an analogy and he said let me just tell you how all of this works. Christ is the head of the church. Now let's read verse 23. Which is his body. Which is his body Christ is the head of a body somebody need to check back in for just a few more minutes now somebody need to get back on the train for just a few more minutes look he's the head of this body 
and you've already read the rest of the verse. I wish I could have just put part of it up there and just kept you guessing for a few more minutes. Some of you read the rest of the verse so you know exactly where I'm about to go. But look at this. He, Christ, is the head of the church and the church is his body and look at the rest of that. What is his body? His body is what? The fullness, the fullness of him, of him that, that filleth all in all. Here's what I am preaching to you right now. The fullness of God didn't just dwell in the body of Jesus Christ. It dwells in the body of Jesus today. It's still here. It's still in his body. And we are that body. I'm telling you that same fullness that opened blinded eyes, that unstopped deaf ears, that cured the paralytic, that raised the dead is still dwelling in the body of Christ. All right, now, now I got I got to develop this just a little bit more. I got to develop a little bit more before I get too carried away and too winded and too weak. So give me give me just a minute here. Look, I'm gonna prove it to you. But let me say this: there's a difference. I'm not a little Christ. You're not a little Christ. There's a difference. In Him, it dwelt fully. In Him individually wherever he went as an individual the fullness of God was with him but for us see I am not individually the body of Christ I am a member of the body of Christ oh I I wish I had another hour to preach right now. I'm just a member of this body, Brother Jerry. And, and look, this right arm right here, it may not be all that strong, but you sever it from this body, and it's got no strength at all. On its own, by itself, it's nothing. That's why... Curtis, you and I talked about how COVID has just caused people to, that all of a sudden the church is not important anymore. I want to tell you, the devil wants it that way because he knows that while they're out there on their own, they don't have one ounce of strength. But if they ever come together as a body, that's where the fullness of God is. It's not in us individually, but it's in us collectively. And it's when we get to, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When we get together, when we come together, collectively we are the body of Christ and when we're here the fullness of God can operate in our midst oh God I want to take off and preach but I got some more I gotta say so, so let me say it Go back to our text again. Go back to our text. I want to show you. I want to show you. I'll mouth of two or three witnesses. I want to show you Colossians 2 9, but we're going to read on verse 10. Colossians 2 
9 and 10. Look at this. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. In him. In him. It was all there. In him. Right. Individually, it was all there. But read verse 10. And ye are complete and you in him. Are complete in him. Which is, the Which is the head of all principality, of all principality and, and power. Listen, listen, listen. I am only complete in him as the head. That means I'm just a member of the body. If I'm an arm, if I'm a pinky finger, if I'm nothing but, but just a fingernail, I don't care whatever I am. If I'm an entire leg, it doesn't matter what I am. But I will not accomplish one thing unless I'm connected to the body. Don't give me this. I can live for God without a church. I can do just fine without a preacher. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to tell you, you got to be connected to a body. If you're going to see God work in your life, you got to be connected to a body. We're only complete when he's the head and you are not the body by yourself. All right, all right, all right, all right. Now look, 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 look. We're complete in him. We, as a body, when we come together, we ought to be careful, church of the Mary and Martha syndrome. Both of them said, if only Jesus had been here. And I'm going to tell you, apostolics get that same attitude. We come into church and say, well, you know, if Jesus were to really show up, boy, you know, if Jesus were to appear in this service, I'd get my healing. If Jesus were to appear to me in a vision, well, I'd get my deliverance. If Jesus were to show up, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus did show up this morning. Take a good look around you. You're looking at his body right now. He's here right now. And whatever you need, I'm telling you, the body of Christ is here. And while the body of Christ is here, the fullness of God operates in that body. If you need healing, you can get it from the body of Christ. If you need deliverance, you can get it from the body of Christ. Oh, I want to preach a little while today. Whatever you're looking for, you can get it if you come running to the body of Christ. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. That's why Jesus said, verily, verily, I'll say, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall do. Not... Because you're somebody great. And that's where most of these faith healers get way off course. Because they think it's them. It's not. And I'm going to tell you, when we lose sight of who it really is, we're in trouble. And we need to understand. Look, church, even my preaching, that's why you think I'm just up here hounding you sometimes. Come on, get with me, get with me. That's not what it's about. If I'm up here trying to preach and you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs, we are not functioning as a body. We're functioning maybe like a body that's got some, I don't, I don't know, some kind of disease, you know, where you've seen these folks with their arms are just flopping, they can't control it. That's what happens sometimes in service. I've got to pay my bills. Oh, look at this sweet picture I just got from my niece. And a preacher's preaching. And the body is so scattered. And our minds are on a million things. We're not functioning as a body. 
Oh, can I dig a little deeper? And we got sinners praying on the altar. And people are talking and laughing and playing. And we're not functioning as a body. Come on, I'm trying to help us, church. I'm telling you, when we come together as a body, the fullness of God starts operating in us at that moment. It's only, it's only when we're together that it works that way. See, you see, John 14, 17, he said, he said, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because see them not, neither know them, but you know him because he dwells with you and shall be in you. Do you understand? That's what's going on. That same spirit that dwelt in Christ dwells in us. Yeah, some of you are still not getting it. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. Now, listen, listen. The fullness is in us collectively, not individually. So when we come together fully united, then as the body of Christ, we have all of the power of God working in our midst. The unity of the body is an absolute necessity. We are not truly a body unless we are together. That's why the spirit fell at the exact moment when it did. Now, my wife had no idea what I was working on. What my, she started talking to me this morning about a Sunday school lesson. I don't know if it's what they're teaching today or one they taught a week or so ago. I don't know. But she started talking about Pentecost. And she said, you know, she said, I just, I don't know. But she said, 120 in one room. She said, I just don't think that they just stayed there for that entire time, day and night, slept in that room, never left that room. She said, I got a feeling people were coming and going. I said, I'm sure they were. Some seven to ten days that they're there, I can guarantee you they at least had to go to the bathroom. They didn't have indoor plumbing back then. They had to go get a drink. I mean, you can't live ten days with no water. They're coming and going. But there was a time when something happened. And my wife said, she told the Sunday school kids, she said, you know, she said, I don't know. She said, but you know, there have been times maybe you've been up there in the sanctuary and you've heard pastors get up to the microphone and say, come on, church, let's everybody pray. Let's really get in here and let's pray. And she said, I just wonder if that's not what happened that day. That everybody been running in and out and everybody been, you know, their minds are scattered and folks are doing things. But all of a sudden, one day, Peter got up and said, okay, folks, this has gone on long enough. Let's buckle down and go do some business here. Let's get a hold of God. Now, I don't know if that's what happened, but here's what I do know. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, read. And when the day, and of, when Pentecost the day of Pentecost was fully, was fully come, come, they were all, they were with, all one accord. with one accord. Now, listen to me. That phrase, with one accord, I looked it up just to be sure. That phrase comes from a Greek word that means unanimously. It means with one mind, or Thayer's Greek lexicon says it means with one passion. Barnes' note says the word denotes entire harmony of views and feelings there were no schisms there were no divided interests there were no discordant purposes Sounds to me like Peter said, okay, forget your agenda. Forget you're mad at this person. Forget this one stepped on your toes. Forget this one didn't speak to you Forget this one said something on Facebook that hurt your feelings Come on. 
And for a few minutes, could we please just come together as a body and focus on one thing? We need to be endued with power from on high. Could we just pray together as a people and ask God to pour his spirit out? And when they all came together with unanimous consent, with one mind, with one passion, then suddenly there came a sound from heaven. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. When we come together, united as the body of Christ, rather than walking into church with our own interests and goals, problems and dilemmas, the same fullness of God that indwelt the man Christ Jesus can operate among us. Ephesians 4.13. I've only got a couple more verses here, and I'm done. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, now, now I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. Till we all come into what? The knowledge, wait, wait, the unity of the faith. So, so look at where it starts. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. This is where it's got to start. And? And of the knowledge, knowledge of the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? The Son of God. That one in whom all the fullness dwelt. Read. Unto a perfect Unto man. A perfect man. Unto the measure, Unto the measure of, the stature of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Of the fullness of... Now look, we're never going to reach the fullness of God. But that's not what he said. But he said, if we can start out and reach that unity of the faith and we can come to a knowledge of what it meant for him to be the son of God, that the fullness of God dwelt in him and we can focus on that. He said, I'm telling you, we as a church can reach that place. We can reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. I submit to you this morning, if we are united, it is no different. Please hear what I'm about to say and don't take it out of context. And if somebody's listening on the internet, don't cut and paste and try to make me say something I'm not saying. We have the original, praise God. We can prove it's different. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, amen. If we are united, it's no different when the pastor lays hand on you than if Jesus Christ were to touch you not because of the pastor but because the church is functioning as his body I'm telling you, everywhere Jesus went, he had the ability to act as man or to act as God. He could speak as man or he could speak as God. And when we come to church, we got the same choice, Jaheim. We got the same choice. We can sit here and have church as men or we can have church as the body of Christ. Oh, help me, Jesus. Come on. We can worship like men or we can worship like the body in whom all the fullness dwells. Oh, Jesus. Now, you remember me talking about 
when Jesus walked on earth, when Jesus walked on earth, the people were anxious to get to where the body was. You want to have revival? True church? You want to fill these pews? Oh, I feel this today. I feel this today. You want to fill these pews? Do you really want to fill these pews? Do you really want to see God do something great? I'm going to tell you step number one. Let's start functioning as the body of Christ. When we come into this place, let's lay aside everything else. Let's forget about everything else. Check your worries, your problems, your doubts, your unbeliefs, your fears. Check it all at the door. You got a sickness? What better place to bring it than to the body of Christ? In fact, if you just can't shake that worry, what better place to bring it than to the body of Christ? I'm telling you, the people of Jesus' day learned that principle to the point that sometimes he had to excuse himself to get away. Wouldn't it be nice if we had to start putting up signs, sorry, we've reached our capacity. We don't have any place to put you today. We'll set up speakers in the parking lot. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to set up a big tent out behind us and have some speakers out there? Ah, you're dreaming again, preacher. I know I am. Let me dream. What's wrong with dreaming? I'm telling you, if we can function as the body of Christ, that little woman with the issue of blood is going to find her way to the body of Christ. If we can function as his body, I'm telling you, that paralytic's friends are going to figure out if they can get him here, he's going to get his answers. If we can function as the body of Christ, the lepers will come, the blind will come, the lame will come. If we can function as the body of Christ... They can recognize that this is a place where God's fullness dwells. Where his words, his works, his knowledge, his wisdom, his power can be found and felt and accessed. They will flock to this place to have their needs met. Now you know that one of my, I got a lot of favorite scriptures Another one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 3.20. I've preached about it, preached about it, preached about it. Let's read it again. I've talked about how God can do this. I've talked about what it really means. Ephesians 3.20. Let's read it again. I want to show you something here. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, yeah. exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, 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 look. I've talked about this. I've taken you through it. That, you know, whatever you can ask, if you can... If you can ask it, God can do it. If you can think it, if you can't even put it into words, but you can think it, God can do it. But God can go above what you can ask or think. And he can go abundantly above what you can ask or think. In fact, he can go exceeding abundantly above whatever you can ask or think. Right? He's able to do that. Now, unto him that is able. But how is he able? Read the rest of that verse. According to According the power that the worketh power, in us. Not that resides in us. But the power 
that's working in us. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Albritton, it's not the power resides in us because the power's here. But whether God does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think depends on the power that's working in us. That power is present in this place today, but how much of it works depends entirely on us. If we can reach a point where we really come together with one mind, one passion, one heart, one focus, if we can reach that point, I'm telling you, at that moment, God is able to do exceeding. You need your healing, Brother Jerry? I'm telling you, God is able to do it exceeding abundantly above. Come on, saints. Come on. Instead of sitting there saying, well, I hope he prays for me. Why don't you focus on the one thing the body's focused on right now? If we can come together. If we can come together. If we can come together. It's, it's not according to the power that works in me. It's the power that works in us. That's collectively. That's the body. Now my, my brother and sister-in-law are here. They can, they can testify. There was a time in our home church. And I really am about to come to a close. The musicians want to come. I'm, my body says, you're done. And my notes say, I'm almost done. So they're coming together. They're coming together pretty close to the same point here, all right? But, but they can testify. There was a time in our home church when, 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 when we watched the elder, the miracles that we saw were unbelievable. And, and, and they happened on a regular basis. But can I tell you, I've, I've been in places, in fact, he preached for me, I don't know how many times, places that I pastored, and, and I saw him pray for people. I, sometimes I'd see miracles, sometimes I didn't. It wasn't really so much about him. But there was something that happened in our home church. In fact, Sheena's dad I think was as big a part of what happened as anybody. You just you just had to know Brother Milam. He was a special man. I I, I loved to go to the church and pray with Brother Milam. He'd, he'd go find his place on the front pew, and, and you know he wasn't 
he, he didn't pray these, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't like this intercessory, booming prayer. It was like, now Jesus, you know, I, I got this situation here. And it was, it was like a man just sitting down talking to his friend. But Brother Milam and some of the others, there'd be times people would come down for prayer and, and the elder would let let the church rally and they'd, they'd come and they'd pray whether somebody's seeking the Holy Ghost or even somebody maybe that was sick and he'd, he'd let folks gather around pray for them and that's the way it ought to be the body ought to be responding but but I'm going to tell you something would happen there was a moment when when we'd watch and he even sometimes he's down there praying Things aren't really taking place, you know, like we think they're going to. And, and Curtis and Sheena can testify to this as a fact. If we ever saw him walk out of that altar area and back up to the platform, and he'd make his way up to the pulpit, and all of a sudden he'd, he'd reach in the pulpit, and when he pulled out that bottle, Brother Milam and some of the others, They'd start poking one another. And everybody around had one focus. And everybody there was saying one to the other, He's got the oil. He's got the oil. The pastor's got the oil. And I'm telling you, the church at that moment had one mind. Now again, I, and I loved Elder Davis. I'm not, but I've seen him pray for people when it didn't happen. He was a man of faith, no doubt. Not throw him under the bus, but I'm just saying, I saw him pray for people when they didn't get healed. But I'm telling you, at those moments in our home church, when he picked up that bottle, and I would watch those people one by one. He's got the oil. I can promise you when he doused his finger and that finger touched their forehead, whatever they needed, it happened at that moment. And again, not to discount him, but the thing was at that moment, that church was a body. And the fullness of God was operating as a body. God is no respecter of persons. And I say to you today, we can have the exact same thing right here. In fact, I'll take it a step further and tell you, God wants us to have the exact same thing right here. Well, I wish I had got more response than that. But I'm telling you what's got to happen. I remember, I've, I, I know, I've, I know. When I was pastoring in Colorado, 
I was, I was talking to the church about the power of this unified prayer. And, and, and we, we had somebody that had been coming to church and they'd been praying for the Holy Ghost and we could not pray them through. Could not pray them through. And I'd been talking to the church that night. It was a midweek service and I talked to them about the power of a unified prayer. Everybody just praying for the same thing at the same time. In fact, I, I, don't, I don't think I told this part of my story last Sunday, but, but the, I told you how I'd sought the Holy Ghost, sought the Holy Ghost for, for, for weeks. The night I got the Holy Ghost, the last thing I remember before I got the Holy Ghost was the pastor. I, I didn't see him. I had my eyes closed. I was praying with everything I had. But I remember hearing him walk up on the platform, get in the microphone and say, Church, I want everybody in this church that believes that this boy is going to get the Holy Ghost, I want you to stand right now and start praying. That's the last thing I remember. And the Holy Ghost fell. And the next thing I remember, before he said that, I was standing facing the pulpit. The next thing I remember, I was sitting facing the crowd. The Holy Ghost fell and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Something happened in that one moment of unity that broke through everything else. And I was talking to the church about that. And here was this person been needing the Holy Ghost. And I said, church, for just a moment, I know there are sicknesses here. I know there are situations here. But for just a moment, I don't want us praying about anything else. I want us, everybody in here that's got the Holy Ghost to pray for this person to receive the Holy Ghost. And that's the only thing I want us to pray. If you got the Holy Ghost, I want you to stand. We're going to pray together. And everybody stood. And everybody prayed. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody around him. But everybody with the Holy Ghost stood and started praying, God, fill him with the Holy Ghost. And I'm here to testify to you. The Holy Ghost fell and he started speaking in tongues. When we finished rejoicing over that, there was a man there. He had, he had messed his arm up really bad, had it in a sling, couldn't, couldn't use it, couldn't move it, and it was hanging here in a sling. And I said, Brother Luke, I said, come up here. And, and I said, God's going to do it again. And he walked up there, his arm in a sling. And I said, Church, now. I said, we've prayed for God to send the Holy Ghost. And he did it. I said, I'm going to show you God's going to do it again. I said, right now, we're not praying for the Holy Ghost. Right now, as a church, we're praying for one thing. God, send healing to this man. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody did anything. But the whole church standing prayed, God sent healing. And I'm telling you, that man slipped his arm out of that sling and raised both hands to heaven, and God healed him instantly. Church, I'm telling you, there's power. All of the fullness of God still dwells in his body. But that body is us. The problem is we got to come together. We got to quit letting the devil separate us. We got to quit letting the devil drive us apart. We got to quit letting the devil make us mad at one another. We got to quit letting the devil get us upset about things. We got to just come together and be a body. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. 
I feel, I feel it here today. I feel it here today. There is a stirring in the atmosphere. The fullness of God wants to work in our midst. Let's not hinder it. Let's not hinder it. Let's not hinder it today. Come on, can you get a revelation right now? Can you get a revelation right now? You're a part of this body. Quit letting the devil tell you you don't matter. Quit letting the devil tell you you don't count. Get all that garbage out of your head. You're a part of the body. Every organ is essential. God put you here for a reason. 